So I have two concerns or two points about language I want to I want to discuss real quick. Please. So the first, Slack isn't a verb. Uh, don't at me. Mm, I disagree with that. I know you do. Why? <laughs> it's it's not it's not like tweet because tweet is different. Slack is the name of the product. It's it is not the verb. You don't you don't when you're when you're doing stuff in Excel you you aren't excelling. Well, I mean, maybe you're not, but I am. Uh, <laughs> mm. Oh, um, so, so if when someone, <laughs> oh wow, this is off to a great start. <laughs> no, no, um, it's because you're. I appreciate that you've cracked yourself so much, uh, you cracked yourself up so much that you literally can't continue. Uh-huh, can't uh-huh. even, as the millennials would say. I can't even, as you would say. So when when you want someone to reach out to you or message you over slack what would you say reach out to me on slack and you think that's better than saying slack me like i guess what's your objection to slack me Uh, uh, what what is the context under which you would say that to someone well, I don't. I don't ever really want anybody to message me, so I don't think I would ever prompt that. Well, but coworkers would just figure that out. Like if if, if you, I mean, coworkers co- coworkers know how to reach me without me prompting them. Yeah. So when would you ever say Slack me? I, I don't know. I guess I don't know if I personally would, but I wouldn't judge someone who said that. Yeah, I, I'm I'm hearing it a lot more these days, and, and yeah, I, I'm I'm not with it at all. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, that's 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 a hard pass. That's that's a you you, know. you can't you can't even as you as you would say as, uh, as you've said on this very show. Uh, okay, so in that case, that's three things. Have you seen this thing people are doing where they they say like I'm literally dead as like a, as a re- reply to anything they see on the internet? Like if you're going to quote a tweet, it just says like I'm dying or I'm literally dead. So I've seen that. Is, is there like an uptick in that? Like what's what's prompting this? I don't know. It just seems like. Um, it it just seems like something that's happening more and more, and it's it's another millennial phrase that I, I can't get behind. Hmm. It seems like we've we've just run out of ways to describe emotions and reactions to things. I don't know. Okay. Well, anyway, moving on. Uh, the last bit of this before we jump into follow up. I was in Target earlier today, and not to make this about fixer upper again, but Chip's, uh, Chip Gaines has an autobiography, and it's uh-huh. called Capital, Capital Gains. Gains. Yep. Hmm. It's pretty good. I can't tell if it's amazing or the worst. It's amazing. Also, the 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 uh, image of him on the cover, it is a very. It's mm. I. Hmm. There's 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 a story behind that. Uh, should so I know he, it? Uh, I, well, this was this was before you jumped on the fixer upper bandwagon. Oh, oh yes, I'm a, I'm a carpetbagger. Uh huh. Uh huh. So when. He was preparing to publish the book. He had like a um, a photo shoot done again, as you would say, and he he posted his three favorite photos to Instagram, and he asked people to vote on them. He didn't take like a strict like straw vote, but he um sort of you know took people's feedback, and then he ultimately made a decision. So I don't think he ever actually released what the vote totals were or anything. Um. <laughs> And of course, you know, the lady friend and I saw when he did this and there was one of the other three that we both that we both liked. And but we also both decided that we really hated the one that he then ended up using for the cover. Yeah, I don't like this at all. But also when you when you said he didn't release the vote totals, I imagine him anytime he meets somebody handing them a map of 
Uh, if you exclude the illegal votes, this photo one. Uh huh. Uh huh. Right. Um, yeah. How's that voting commission going? That's, that's not... Oh yeah, that got that got disbanded. Yeah, that one guy blows up uh, regulations. Mm hmm. Yeah, I during that episode of the Daily today, like really, I think I actually did like physically pause the podcast and really think. Like wow, that that wasn't a parody. That was a real thing. Yeah, I'm beginning to realize this show probably has a very very short half life. Or if you listen to this even two weeks later, you probably it probably makes no sense. I think we have some episodes that are more like that than others. I think we have some episodes uh, in your parlance which are evergreen. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to this uh, Chip Gaines thing. I, this I have not read the book or I know anything about it, but about it, yeah, like, don't love the picture on the uh, on the cover. Um, yeah, capital gains. I would love to know if he came up with that or somebody else did. And also the subtitle. So he's he's a very, he. I'm sure he's a very savvy, smart guy. Like I mean, like he is like he plays up being a goofball in the show, but I'm sure he's like an incredibly smart guy. I, I don't love the smart things I learned doing stupid stuff. Well, so but again, you 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 haven't read you haven't read their other book yet, have you? No. Now see, if you did, if you read that, you would get it. But when like I guess maybe approaching this in in hindsight or like uh, since uh fixer upper like that phenomenon is over, like that was an incredibly successful business venture and I assume like so much of it is choreographed not in like not in a bad way. I I just think he like he's I think they not to sound like Marco Rubio, but they know exactly what they're doing, which which is good. So I don't know. I don't think it's it's stupid stuff. He seems like a very bright guy. The stupid stuff I think happened pre Fixer Upper. Oh, and mm, I think okay. they during Fixer Upper. I, I agree. They probably play that up, but he legitimately did a lot of stupid stuff pre pre show. Okay. Capital. Just just kind of how you know we we say a lot of stupid stuff pre show sometimes. Kind of, kind of like that. Oh, so we're, we're going to bring that conversation online. Okay, can we, can we talk about your touch typing? <laughs> sure, or lack thereof. Well, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't slack me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think you're thinking of don't at me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am serious. Okay, uh, we were talking briefly about the Microsoft ergonomic keyboard uh, that I think has probably been a previous Chef special, and that we think we both use. Do you use it as home as well? I do not use it at home. I only use it at work. What do you use at home? Since I think you use the closed laptop method. I, I, I gave that up a while ago. I, I just use the laptop here at home. Oh, external monitor. Although that's no? no extra monitor currently. Hmm. Um, I was just thinking I, I worked from home today and was kind of just rethinking that because I'll be on the computer a little bit more at home now. And... Yeah, I've been thinking about my my setup here, but you know, for now it, it's just you know good old thirteen uh, inch laptop screen and keyboard. Good old twenty fifteen inch thirteen inch. Yes. Uh huh. Yep. Every key works and it feels great. Um. Oh. So yeah. So you have had the Microsoft Ergonom. Uh, it's called the Sculpt Ergonomic Keyboard for yeah, right. about almost R- two rolls, years. Rolls right off the tongue. Well, it's actually discontinued where I've, I've considered stockpiling it. But, oh, really? Um, they, so, yeah, we'll get to this. But um, So you've had it for about a year and a half, and you said you just finally got used to it, you think, maybe. 
Yeah, we definitely talked about this on the program. I was not a fan of that keyboard when I first started using it. I, on numerous occasions, thought about dumping it. And in fact, on a couple of occasions, did in fact stop using it for a couple of days. But I always went back to it. I was always drawn to it. it it's really comfortable. I just, it just took me a really, really long time to get used to typing on it. Like, I would not consider myself a very good typer to begin with. And then when you throw this kind of weird key layout at me, that really kind of set me back. But yeah, I feel like after about, I guess it's, cl- it's closer to about a year and a half of use now. I, f- I feel like I f- I'm finally used to it and I'm relatively proficient at typing on it. So two follow-up questions. The first is what, what kept you going? Or, man, that, that sounds weird. But like, or I'm like, what, what made you keep coming back to it? Like, why didn't you just be like, oh, I don't like this keyboard. Let me just go back to whatever Dell, like USB keyboard that IT has laying around or just using your laptop keyboard. Like, what, what made you keep going back to it? I, you know, I, I think it was just because it was so comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it, whenever I would try to not use it for a day or two and go back to a regular keyboard, it would just become really clear how much more comfortable the ergonomic keyboard was to use. And so even though I wasn't as good typing on it, the comfort made me want to get better at it. Do you use the negative slope thing? I do, yes. Okay, good, good. Um, what was the second part? Oh, yeah, so we, so you said you're not a touch typist. That uh, That seems very interesting to me. I'm mostly a touch typist, but not like a hundred percent do you just sometimes have to look down to reorient yourself or what do you mean yeah exactly okay that that makes sense especially because that is one thing where like i've i've had this keyboard for a few years and it is since i probably it's like it's 30 percent using it at home with the the microsoft sculpt on the imac and then going back to a standard non-split layout on the laptop yeah i mean sometimes you do like you just your fingers don't match up where you think they would be and since the um Actually, I don't know if the MacBook Pro has the little notches on F and J. Um, I can't think of that off the top, off the top of my head either. Um, I, I, mean, I think another thing for me too is I just, you know, I do a lot less long form typing than I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, now it's, now it's more about keyboard shortcuts, especially, mm-hmm. but I, I don't, I don't just sit down and do a lot of typing, which you know, I'm, that's that's been the case for some number of years now, so I'm sure that sort of atrophied some of my typing ability. Sure. It's like, it's like now, do you ever notice, like, when you go to handwrite something now, like, do you find that your handwriting has gotten worse? It's so bad, because here's... Yeah. The, um, how, how do I phrase this in, in a PC way? I always used to, like, it, uh, kind of write like a girl, sort of. Does that make sense? Like I, I used to, I, I've seen your handwriting. Yes, it was it was, very, it was very neat. I used to have insanely legible handwriting. The past few years, it's it's garbage. Like I I I cannot. It's it's borderline illegible for a ton of things. Right. And if you asked me to write something in cursive other than my name, I'm not really sure what I would do. <laughs> uh, how, how do you how do you draw the cursive letter Q? exactly right i'm like i'm sure oh, I well, the, the, it's it's obvious it, it it's the one that looks like a fancy number two like number two is having t oh that's right I, I could do a lowercase one pretty quickly but yeah i'd have to think about the uppercase one yeah uh 
when you were um, of the cursive writing age, did, how, did you do the F the proper way? Well, I mean, I, I have to, yes, because it's the first letter of my last name. That's pretty important. Oh, and 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 your <laughs> your uh, marital hashtag is includes two of them. So you got you got. Yeah, uh huh. That's yeah, right. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Your calligraphy courses are finally paying off. That's right. That's right. Okay. Uh, let's get a move on to follow up. Or actually, I think we have one thing that's inter follow up that I keep forgetting to ask you about. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's it's what <laughs> inter follow up. It's, okay. it's it's the part. Is, is that a, is that a new segment? <laughs> it's um. Oh, I, I've been I, I was musing upon it, and I think uh, this, all your smart home stuff as you get settled into your new house uh, should be yeah. called this old house. I don't think anybody's used that before. Oh, that's so, and that's so good because the, our house is, is relatively, it's relatively old. So that's, oh, I, I like that. Okay. <laughs> but you, right. underst you understand the joke is that there was a PBS show for 30 years called This Old House, right? I, I didn't pick up on that part, no. Oh, well, that's, yeah. That's why I don't think we can use it. No, um, I, I, I still like it. I still like it. Oh, yeah. I don't, th I don't think Big Bird's that litigious. <laughs> or he probably has like Michael Cohen as, as his lawyers and he's too busy. Right. Okay, so I'm gonna send you a link. Uh, take ten seconds and uh, look at this startup and tell me what you think of it. Well, the phrase that you see right when it right when the page opens is inf is infuriating. So that's not a good start. I think I think their logo actually might be the uh, the capital Q in <laughs> cursive. <laughs> uh, um, I, yeah, I don't I don't like any of this. Is this like a is this like a higher end version of WeWork? What is this? No, oh man, WeWork itself is already high. It, WeWork is expensive. I've I've actually looked into that because I. Well, be... we I don't know. We is it expensive? I just I mean you. So I mean, we won't get too personal. I think this is vague enough. But in in an office building that you and I both are sometimes in, there's a WeWork presence there. Mm -hmm. And whenever the elevator opens on one of those floors, it just it strikes me as almost like a party like atmosphere no it's a it's a, it's a gosh darn madhouse that, yeah so yeah. but i didn't know is it is it fancy it's it's not fancy but it's it's expensive and and, okay. and especially if you want to do anything but like just the hot desking it's it's not great <laughs> i'm sorry the what this is a, it's a family-friendly program I, I i don't know what what, <laughs> what are you talking about hot we have the hot desking what is that again keep in mind that this is there are children listening it, have you okay hmm You've I don't never... know. I really actually don't know anything about WeWork. I mean, I, 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 at a very, very high level, I, I know what they're trying to do, but I don't, I don't really know how it works or... Yeah, so this isn't necessarily a, a WeWork thing. I think this is kind of like a, a, a lot of startups, actually a lot of companies. I think actually um, a lot of the accounting firms actually do that in big cities now where it's basically nobody has offices where there's just a whole bunch of desks and nobody actually gets to have their own desk. It's just a bunch of people come in to work for the day, and they just pick a spot, and you're not allowed to have a space that is actually your own. And that's called hot desking. Some companies, if they have a lot of like uh, traveling employees, I think it's also been called hoteling. It's okay, that that a a former employer of mine used to call it that. Yeah, it's like you know, like I, I'm from the from the Pittsburgh office, and I'm working in in Portland this month, and therefore I uh, will hotel at some random desk because yes. I don't actually work here. But so, but do the millennials call it hot desking? Is I think cheap the... companies do. Like it's oh, okay. <laughs> the whole point is that we don't want. It's not even that like we don't want 
because I actually, I think I, I, I don't know if I put this in Instapaper or if I actually put it in the thing, but there was an article about kind of what the next logical leap from open plan offices is. And it's basically just um, urban offices that basically just don't, don't even have um, any place to put your stuff or it's, it's just all hot desking all the time unless like you're an executive and, and it's garbage. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't really like that. It sounds like hell. Because one, open plan offices are, are just garbage because of the noise and just like, not that you should have a ton of privacy at work, but it's it's just not great. But also just taking that away, like that's 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 not good. I know real estate is expensive, but that's that's not good. Because the whole trend is everybody's like, oh yeah, if you, if you take people out of their comfort zone, that forces like ad hoc collaboration and a bunch of buzzy marketing terms. I, I do sometimes lament that I never had the opportunity to work in an era where I would have had my own office. Well, that does you, you sound just pretty to, nice. You just need to get high enough. Uh, yeah, but and and but at I, home you do have mega office. Uh, true, that's Me- true. <laughs> mega office West Coast, which I'm which I'm back in now mm-hmm. uh, this week with a nice, well, not really comfortable chair, but a chair. <laughs> um. Well, but I don't even now if I, you know, if I worked my way up, it's it's pretty often with companies, at least here in the Bay Area, where even executive folks don't have their own office. Well, here's the thing. If you're a big enough executive, you make the fucking rules and you do whatever you want. <laughs> okay, fair point. You, you can use company money to hire uh, ch- uh, capital gains, chip gains to uh-huh. build you an office. Fair, fair enough. Mm-hmm. One of Joanna's uh, paint colors at Target is called Shiplap. Have I, have I ranted to you about her design of offices on the show? No, no, other than like, well, my own observation. Sorry, from watching a season and a half of it is basically it seems more ornamental than functional, and her kids always draw stuff and shove crayons in the middle of the table. But go ahead. Well, so, so the, I mean that part doesn't bother me, but you you were on the right track there. Where they, I mean, they look beautiful, of course, and I really like the idea of having a desk in the center of the room. Like, it, I mean, it looks really nice, and it when you walk in, it, there's just something about it that looks really elegant. But it is just a thousand percent not functional mm-hmm. as an office because, I mean, unless you're living the MacBook One lifestyle, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> and like literally don't have any cables. I just don't see any way to, I mean, it's hard enough to manage cables. Like when your desk is in a corner and you can kind of tastefully hide them somewhere. But if your desk is just like in the middle of the room, I mean, a, you're going to have to have like a power outlet and maybe even an ethernet jack, like in the floor in the middle of the room. But then you're also going to have to find a way to then organize all those cables. I just, I just don't see that working. I I assume Joanna has a really elegant way to deal with Dongletown. Like I, I assume Dongletown is right outside Waco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah that that might be. Um, yeah, that's maybe, I don't know. Maybe Tim gave her like a, a pre-release air power mat, and that's why she just thinks cables aren't a thing anymore. Mm, could be. Um, yeah, I, I a lot of times I do worry if in case I'm gonna maybe the honeymoon phase is over with a fixer upper for me, but like it seems like a lot of times it's like. If you thought it through, sometimes maybe they're not always the most functional choices. Like, I still really like it, but anytime they, they discuss a workspace, I'm like, no, that, that's not really how that would work. Or that, that, like, I completely 
agree with your point that a lot of times it seems like it's just it's it's beautiful but this is this is not how if somebody really did want to work from home like this is not how you do it well so i mean counterpoint i guess i mean this this happens even when you're looking at open houses where they've been staged and you go mm, you know i don't think i would really lay out that room that way or i don't think i would use that room for that function so you know i'm sure a lot of these families when they move into these homes they you know kind of rearrange what uh, Chip and, and JoJo, as you call her, did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, so the spacious startup thing. Wow, that that got off track real fast. Um, <laughs> because, and I think we have differing opinions on this, but like I'm not to put too fine a point on it. I, I'm right and you're wrong. Is is that is some of the best work you can possibly do, whether it's for your own personal work or actual work work, like worky work. That's um, that happens. It, like in a place where people are particularly like a coffee shop uh, or something like that. I'm, I'm literally so mad. I, I, I don't understand your resistance to this idea or like, I, I don't, I explain please. I just, I cannot imagine a scenario where I would be more productive in an environment that's loud, has tons of distractions has probably a limited space to work on versus either working in the comfort of my home or even at my desk in my office. I just can't, I can't imagine where I would be more productive in an environment like that. So I'm, I'm an introverted guy and I, I like, I just, I feel like that is the one instance where I actually do feed off other people's energy. Like it, it like at home, maybe you're way more, and I mean, actually I'm sure you are, but you're way more disciplined than I am. Where um, like at home, I, I don't know about that. But I, uh, hmm. <laughs> I, mean, I guess I guess I have seen the the badge icon on your OmniFocus. Hey, that's at four right now. <laughs> nice. Okay. Now we're now we're now we're talking. Uh, let's actually let me not look at Fridays. Nope. Nope. Just close that out. <laughs> um. Yeah. Like maybe you're more disciplined than I am, but like when I'm at home, there's a billion things that can distract me. Like, or not even, like, distract me, but, like, things I could be like, I could be working on this. Or, hey, the kitchen's just a step over there. Like, there, there's just so little friction to doing something other than the thing that I need to be doing. So, therefore, like that, if you're at a coffee shop or a library or anywhere else, like, it, a lot of times, like, that temptation is eliminated. And if you kind of feel, not that, like, you think other people are watching you work, but, like, you feel kind of a pressure to actually be doing something. Whereas if you just have Twitter open, like that, that's just not really a thing. I don't know. Like I, I find working at home as exceptionally challenging. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. But no, the, the startup, like I, it, it, since I spend most of my time in Marin, it doesn't really make sense. But I do think it's super interesting where spaces that normally would not would, would like not be available are for a fairly reasonable fee, um, so that you're not working at some like overcrowded fills or something like that. So I, th I think this is a super compelling idea, and I think it's actually a smart startup. Hmm. Yeah. But the whole access, a curated network of extraordinary workspaces, yeah, it, it, it is super pretentious, and uh, it, it is very uh, millennial tech worker speak douchey. Yeah. It, I, I'm, I continue to be amazed at the popularity of WeWork. I just, I, I'm, like, I'm surprised there are that many people who that's a valuable service for. I mean, I, I think it makes sense for small companies. Yeah, that's, and, that's true. That's true. And 
there is allegedly a social aspect to it where like it's like oh hey you can network with other like-minded entrepreneurs and people working on the the next big thing and blah 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 vc money blah i guess so like i i guess i guess i get that but i i'm just surprised at the scale of it like i i know that there are some of those people out there but i i guess i didn't fully grasp how many of those people are out there yeah but i assume it's all like horror like the company is probably horrifically in debt i assume Mm-hmm. but unfortunately like we work is also trying to get into and there's a lot of company or a lot of startups trying to copy that meant uh that business model or that type of thing for living spaces which i think is the mm, i've seen worst. that yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah okay um all right so let's get into, uh, so we're done with inner follow-up or whatever, uh-huh. whatever i called it earlier and we are into follow-up Th- this i think this old home right uh no th- this old house this old house yeah never you do you know who bob vila is yeah of course yeah he he's one of the the key hosts of this old house oh really yeah oh okay yeah he he was the martha stewart of home improvement and such in the 90s yeah got it okay so uh this is not really a topic but it's mainly i just want to read um uh, uh and uh a story title for uh, an article title uh, from the Washington Post, but there was a data breach at um, at Chili's earlier this month, and uh, the headline was "I want my data back, data back, data back." And I thought, <laughs> um, uh, perfect. The I, the the lady friend has an irrational hate for those commercials. Well, isn't the restaurant doing really poorly? So won't they be gone soon <laughs> anyway? Are they on? Well, that makes me sad. Chili's is one of my favorite restaurants growing up. Oh, because you love your blooming onion, or is that Outback? Well, well, there's just, there's a story there too. They <laughs> it used to be this both could... places. Mm-hmm. I know this is this, this is another the... episode where we literally don't get to the actual topics. <laughs> it's either the best episode we've ever done or the worst. It's hard hard to tell so far. Option um. <laughs> They, they they both used to have v- v- competing products. I think at Chili's, it was oh man, what was it called? I can't believe I've forgotten this. You're right. It's, it was the Bloomin' Onion and Outback, and it was the oh man, it'll it'll come to me. Um, but then when there was that whole like trans fat thing that I, I I don't remember if it was like a law passed in California or I don't remember exactly what the details were, but there was something that happened that prompted Chili's to stop selling it. But Outback continued to sell theirs, but it was it was never quite as good as Chili's. Additional details from uh, Marketplace: Apparently, Outback's Bloomin' Onion is two thousand three hundred sixty calories. Okay, real time follow up. I, I, it's the second I saw this, I was like, "Yes, this was it." It was called the Awesome Blossom. I remember that from The Office. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm on this. Um on this wikipedia article about blooming onion which which also talks about awesome blossom um it says that um it was it was removed from in 2001 uh, <laughs> and then it in the uh nutritional section here uh, it says that the awesome blossom at chili's was ranked worst appetizer in america by men's health magazine in 2008 for the unusually high totals of calories and fat with 2,710 calories, 203 grams of fat, 194 grams of carbohydrates, uh, 
Jesus Christ, 6,300 milligrams of sodium, which equates to sort of like the nutritional facts of 67 strips of bacon. (laughs) Oh, man. The awesome blossom. Yes, that was it. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to restart the show? Yeah, let's, let's let's go ahead and start over. Should we do the clap? Jeez. All right. So yeah, so I've been I've been sitting on that headline for a week. So that's it's pretty good. So Hamza Shaban, bravo. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that's what what Bezos bought this publication for. Man, you know how like after we talk about Blue Barn during the show, like I I really I need to go out and get Blue Barn. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need to go to Chili's now. Uh, I haven't yeah. I haven't been to one in I don't think I've been to one. Since we since we've moved up here, maybe I have literally never been to an Outback Steakhouse or Chili's, and that's and that's a point of pride. I so my my dad really liked Outback Steakhouse. That was kind of his like. What what do you call these types of restaurants? Like, like they're not fast casual, but they're but they're like family restaurants, sort of. Sure. Yeah. 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 Family restaurants. We'll go with that. That of that category of the like. I guess in this you'd put like Chili's. You'd put TGI Fridays, Applebee's, Outback, like that that whole kind of thing. Outback was always his favorite. I I kind of respectfully disagreed. Yeah, pro- probably. I mean, well, because it depends. Were you approaching it as a steakhouse or approaching it as an uh, just a family restaurant? I never really approached any of these places as a steakhouse. No, they did just kind of like a family restaurant. I mean, growing up, it was all about the chicken tenders. Which, I mean, if we're being <laughs> honest. The place you really wanted oh, to go no. for that was the Elephant Bar. You ever been to an Elephant Bar? I have, unfortunately. The one in the East Bay closed, but also, yeah, yeah no. It's, it's, is the, is the mm, one on the peninsula still there? I think the one in Daly City is still there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that 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 was... I know I said Chili's was my favorite earlier, but actually Elephant Bar was right up right up there, too. Yeah, I think it's... Hmm, I, I don't have a strong opinion on chicken tenders. <laughs> there was another um, one called spoons I can't, I can't wait for you to have kids i know it's gonna be you great i have a lot to talk about <laughs> uh, although the lady friend is pretty <laughs> she she's pretty vehemently opposed to these types of restaurants so <laughs> good because <laughs> i well i mean because for her she she didn't really grow up in suburbia the same way that we did um, yeah, you speak for yourself um, um, well, so, and, and speaking of another favorite which i don't know if this was a chain or not um but there was one of them down near where you and i grew up called spoons i am not aware of this okay yeah they had a really good apple cobbler that was kind of like why you'd go there but it was cool because they like their their parking lot was was like kind of not really far but like it, it was a little bit of a walk from the restaurant and they had like a golf cart shuttle that would take you back and forth from this parking lot to the restaurant. I mean, you you could walk if you wanted to, but if you just happen to catch it where you could hop on the little golf cart shuttle, you would do that, and it was great. That's very American. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Eat a horribly unhealthy meal and <laughs> any potential means of actually working it off. <laughs> let's let's put fossil fuels into the mix. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, hashtag winning. Okay. <laughs> um... Oh, I wasn't even thinking about that. I'm sorry. Um, okay, what was I talking about? Uh, speaking about, uh, this is gonna be another food episode. Uh, in terms of Orange County food, um, do you, had, did you ever go to a place called Islands? 
Oh, yes, yes. Thoughts? I, I love islands. Hmm. The basket of fries. Hey, you want to bring this full circle back to fries. You get a basket of fries at islands. No ketchup required. Nothing. That that's that's a good that's a good set of fries. Does islands exist in Northern California? Not that I'm aware of. No. Hmm. There aren't. I've only really ever seen the one that was near us growing up. There, there's one kind of towards the like oceanside area i think just off the freeway but i think those are the only two i think there well there used to be one a little further from us like in lake forest but i think that one might be gone now hmm. it's getting too local <laughs> um and then there was that uh there was that ruby's cafe that's that was that was also probably only an orange county thing right i think ruby's is if not national, uh, broader than just Orange County. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ruby's was was fine. Also, pretty good fries. They they do like the the steak cut fries, mm, and they're they're, they're pretty big good. thumbs down. Okay. Mm. Um. Okay. This 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 is not what. what so what what prompted you to think about islands? I was just thinking about weird uh, Orange County restaurants, mm. or places that I that I uh, that w- I wasn't sure if they actually were national or not. I do feel like I'm sort of overdue for a trip back down there where I kind of just spend a couple of days like revisiting spots I haven't been to in, you know, oh, 15 you, you, years. You could hang out at the shops at Mission Viejo. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the kaleidoscope with the with the aforementioned islands. Oh, is that where that one was? I remember, uh-huh. the, one, I remember the one like by the, the Laguna Hills Mall. So there's the, the that's that's the Lake Forest one I'm talking about. Oh, got it. But yeah, you you can you can probably take a ferry straight from the East Cut and go down to uh, the shops. I, do you know? So I haven't bothered to look into the, the the history of this. Like, where did that come from? Which one? The shops of Mission Viejo or the East Cut? <laughs> well, both. But the, uh, the East Cut. <laughs> well, the, the shops of Mission Viejo was, I think, the Irvine Company and Simon Malls were like, oh yeah, the Mission Viejo Malls in decline because Robinson May went out of business. So we have to rename this and bring in Nordstrom. I think that's how that happened. But the East Cut is because one day I because th- I think I was uh, the first one to bring this up. You were that you were. But like I was like looking on Google Maps and I'm like because I was I was trying to find like uh, traffic near the office and I was like what the, what the because Google Maps is pretty good about showing neighborhood names and previously that whole cluster is that there's there's the financial district there's. Market Street, there's Soma, there's Rincon Hill, and there's, uh, uh, what do you call it, South Beach, where the ballpark is. But then one day, it was something called the East Cut showed up. I'm like, oh, what the fuck is this? And apparently, like some neighborhood association uh, that kind of has all the real est- or that's like in charge of promoting that whole area between the Embarcadero and like Third Street. And like that little area down there, apparently they had like $50,000 to waste and they were like, oh yeah, let's just rename this thing, the East Cut. And it seems like a total bullshit, like New York style neighborhood fixer upper boondoggle. I mean, the the thing I will say to their credit though, is this went from something that I just randomly saw you make a comment about on either Twitter and the thing or something to all of a sudden, like every single piece of signage in and around my office now says the East cut. I feel like that happened very quickly. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I, 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 every, every time I see a new one, I, I, I take a picture and send it to you. 
I, th- I think that's the nature of a friendship. You have to send me uh, algae-covered scooters. <laughs> right. And infuriating signage referring to this non-existent neighborhood. There was there was a, almost a scooter I sent you a picture of the other day where it was right next to an emergency exit door for an office building. It, it wasn't blocking the door, but it was like right next to it. Mm-hmm. But like if it was blocking that door, I was so going to take a picture and send it to you. Well, you should have put it in the fucking garbage. <laughs> a scooter talk. People who are vandalizing, throwing, like, what? what is your read on that? I Sam, I'm not a fan of that. I mean, as much as I dislike them, I, I would never personally try to damage one or do anything like that. What if you're That's just sticking it in the garbage? <laughs> no, I don't think I would do that either. Hmm. I'm on the fence. I, 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 the, the hubris of, hmm, yeah, yeah, I'm on the fence. I mean, I, I, I see it, I see it, but mm, I'm, I'm too, I'm too much of a goody two shoes, too much of a rule follower. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe. You, you, you kind of are too. Oh, I'm, I'm the ultimate rule follower. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of not following the rules, uh, Wells Fargo is rebranding. So I sent you a link to their website because there have been billboards for this all around town. And I, I'm, I'm becoming somebody who just tracks the, the best and worst billboards across the Bay Area. And there's this Bitcoin one that's really irking me. But there's this one from Wells Fargo where apparently uh, they were established in 1852, but they're reestablishing in 2018 to recommit on you. And I think this means that they're not going to open up accounts in your name that you didn't actually want or force you to buy car insurance that you don't actually need and it's probably illegal to offer it to you. So I'm glad. Wait, we'll so they're so they're, they're wait so they're rebranding, but they're not changing their logo or their name. No, they're just creating a website and spending a bunch of money on billboards to show them that they're not actually going to open up accounts in your name that you didn't ask for. Did they did they just steal all the old Virgin America assets and put it on their website? Um, <laughs> are they going to give you pop chips or something? Like I don't. Hmm. I mean, this looks exactly like Virgin America's website did. Same colors and fonts and everything. It kind of does. But if you scroll through this, so there's a couple things. One, this whole marketing campaign is bullshit. And, and nobody likes banks. But Wells Fargo is, it has always kind of been one of the worst. Um, and even though they got fined a ton of money by the FTC, I forget which one actually enforces that kind of stuff. But like it's, see, this all rings extremely hollow because nothing actually changed. Like I think the CEO stepped down and somebody gave up some bonus money, but that's pretty much it. But th- this seems like a very half-assed marketing attempt. And the worst part of it is if you scroll to the part where it says debit card on and off, they reverse the way the the off button works. Hmm. And also, I like that their big innovation is that they will text you anytime an account is opened up. So if you know that their employees are doing shady stuff <laughs> like that, you're solving the wrong problem. Yeah. Um, and also, they're taking credit for Apple Pay. That's cool. <laughs> no debit card use your phone yeah i'm sure you invented that uh-huh and also i think their weird mock-up of the iphone 10 isn't actually the iphone 10 because the iphone 10 doesn't have uh, doesn't have antenna notches there does it um let's see i mean the only pictures i'm seeing are the ones that are kind of like directly face on so you wouldn't well no you can see where it says no debit card use your phone there's like four there's two on the top two on the bottom like weird antenna notches that I don't think exist on the actual iPhone 10. Oh, I see, I see what you're saying. Huh. Yeah, so this is a really poorly designed website and a poorly designed campaign, and also Wells Fargo can go fuck off. 
Okay. Uh, net neutrality. What happened there? Well, so we talked about on the show a, a couple of weeks ago now how the Senate had used kind of some previously sort of unknown provision where Congress has the right to review any decisions made by the FCC. And the way that it works is once you reach a majority of signatures, you can force a vote uh, in that particular body of Congress. Or it might, might, might not even actually be a, a majority of members. It might be some, some threshold of votes. You, you can force um, the entire body to, to actually take a stand on the issue and, and um, go forward with a vote. So this happened in the Senate, as we had previously talked about, and it passed. Which I guess wasn't a total shock, although I think it was a little bit surprising to some. But as we've talked about before, when we've brought this up, you know, this, like any other piece of legislation, as you learn in middle school, has to then pass the other body of Congress and then ultimately be signed by the president. So, you know, it's still largely symbolic, but um, the, the charge is moving forward nonetheless. Well, the House of Representatives is more is generally more liberal than the Congress, right? The, no, the House of Representatives in its current state is no, more that, conservative. That was that was the joke. I see. Sorry. Um, yeah, because the the House of Representatives is generally where you get the more extreme candidates, right? Because it's because it, you're appealing to smaller areas, so redder Correct. areas get redder candidates versus somebody who has to win the entire state. Right. Okay. Um, quick related to the scooter stuff we talked about this isn't actually something i think we have much to say about but more of something people should read and you should shove in the show notes uh the atlantic had a really cool investigation slash just discussion and and research thing about kind of like the arbitrage that happens with uh charging the scooters for bird and lime and all the other stuff that are littering the streets because the way that they get like the company doesn't have the infrastructure to go collect and plug in every scooter that's on the street. So they actually just pay people to do it. And they collect the scooter at night, get it off the streets, and then recharge it and drop it off in the morning. So like the whole like economy that's popped up underneath it is actually kind of fascinating. So people should go read that if they have an extra 10 minutes. It's a bit long. Yeah, we we haven't really talked about that side of it much on the show. But yeah, the, the charging aspect to these on-demand scooter companies is super weird. Like the idea that people are just going out and rounding these things up and then charging them for a nominal fee. Mm, very, very strange. It's the the urban student's lemonade stand. Hmm. No, but it actually is kind of sketchy and weird because apparently there's some, yeah, there's some, some weird stuff going on. Not on the company's side, but just in terms of like just whenever you have something where somebody could make money and it's in a vague like edge case, eh, sometimes some weird stuff happens. So it's a good read. Um, in terms of Netflix, uh, uh, the Obamas have signed a deal with with Netflix, and we'll we'll talk about the actual part of this. But I did like on Twitter where there's a whole thing. Do you remember the thing when Keurig was like dropping Hannity as somebody who they would sponsor, uh-huh. right? And then everybody was taking videos and putting it on YouTube of them destroying their Keurig machines, <laughs> you know, to to own the libs, right? So. The same thing as I saw a tweet earlier today that had a few thousand retweets on it of who else is canceling their Netflix subscription to uh, because they inked a deal with the Obamas. How else are you going to stick it to the left by, I, by depriving yourself of 
every bit of worthwhile content worth watching. Well, how how are these people going to watch the new season of Arrested Development, Carlos? See what I did there? <laughs> now, so I, I, I want to so, talk about this. Yeah, yeah. So, so there, there's news on the Arrested Development front. Two pieces of news. So the part upcoming... The part. It's all good. It's all good. I, so the, there was a New York Times thing that earlier today that was not a good part about it, but... Okay. Uh, well, if we're talking about one of the specific actors, yes. But the, talking about the show in general, mm-hmm. um, they so there's two interesting things. So the first, which we've kind of known, which is season five is coming. It now has a release date, May 29th, so very soon, next week. Um, but then the other really interesting thing that happened is they re-released season four in a completely recut format where they, they took all of their existing footage, plus, I guess, some scenes they didn't use in the original version, brought Ron Howard back in and completely redid the narration and basically restructured the show so that it was much more similar to the first three seasons. Because if you recall, the season of, of TV that Netflix put out was where basically each episode kind of followed a single character, which was kind of for two reasons. One, they didn't have the cast all together on the set for very many days. But two, this was like in the early days of Netflix original content. So they were kind of just trying to do crazy stuff. And, you know, by all accounts, mine included, that didn't really work. It, it, I, don't, I didn't think it came out very well. It was needlessly confusing. And a big part of what makes that show so good is all the characters interacting with each other. And that it was just kind of lacking that. But so again, they went back and completely redid season four, recut season four. And the lady friend and I just started watching it this week. And I have mixed feelings because it's really, really good. It, it, it's so much more like the look and feel and flow of the first three seasons. So I'm, I'm happy that it's there now. But on the other hand, it, like, it makes me mad because why the hell didn't they just put this out in the first place? Like, if they would have just put this out first, this would have been a totally fine season of Arrested Development. So it, it, it kind of bums me out that it's come so late, but it, it is, it's really well done, and it's, it's a total surprise. So we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. What, what was the reasoning for putting out the Netflix version? Because I remember there was something. The, what, the original motivation of putting out season four? The, the way it originally aired. Well, I mean, it it just it, Netflix. This was again in the early days of Netflix's original um, content programming, and so I think they they saw Arrested Development as kind of this cult following hit that they could you know get some attention around. But because they didn't have the entire you know acting crew on set very much together, they kind of went with this weird structure where each episode followed basically a single character. So like from the time it was released, they had both options at the table and Netflix just opted for they think this is a better a better product. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess that's a good question. I, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in the room where this was initially talked about. But no, I, I, I my guess is at the time they thought that the structure they originally came out with was kind of novel and interesting. Um, but it just it kind of kind of fell flat. Well, it is interesting that with streaming, this kind of thing is on the table, where if you can kind of have... Remember like when uh, alternate endings and deleted scenes, when DVDs came out, like that was a whole thing? Right. 
where this is kind of like it's like oh yeah we we we, we cut it and we think this is this is the director's cut of this of this season of tv and you know what the the friction of doing that is almost zero I, totally totally um and you know take I, I i i do mean this take this in the same vein as my fixer upper recommendation to you mm-hmm. I, I know that you're not a fan of season four of arrested development and again i was i was not either but i i really can't say enough good things about this recut version yeah but it's I, I, it's so much better because this came out like four years ago right it, like, you know, it's, it's been a while. It's, it's crazy, yeah. The original cut of season four, I think, came out in twenty. Yeah, I think it's like twenty thirteen. Yeah, like I, I unfortunately, I think I will probably pass. <laughs> but if I remember, it, like there was like this whole like four episode thing about George Senior, and I just hated every minute of it. Well, so that that's that's the thing, right? Is there are some storylines that I didn't love either, but because there aren't single episodes that focus on them and because they're sort of interspersed between other plot lines, they're kind of less annoying. And the other thing that they did, which I think is also equally important, is they decided to do this bizarre thing where I don't know if you remember this, but season four ended up being like, I think it was like 16 episodes but like some of the episodes were between like thirty-five and forty minutes, which for Arrested Development was just is just weird. Like mm-hmm. they should be, you know, quick hitting, fast moving, twenty-two minute episodes. And so as part of this recut, that's exactly what they did. It's I think it's like twenty-two episodes and they're like twenty-two minutes each. So following the format of the original show. And so they they just they flow so much better. So I, I actually I considered not watching it either. Like I was pretty skeptical but um some friends started watching it and, and really recommended it so you know we gave it a try and we've been really really impressed it, it really is like a totally different show it's it's pretty amazing what they did it has to be has to be a lot of work because again i all the narrations knew so they you know they had to bring ron howard in to do all that mm-hmm and it's it's not like they just moved a few scenes around. Like it, it really is like a totally different show. So I, I'd imagine it was quite quite some level of effort. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, it's probably unlikely that I'd watch it, but I'm but I'm glad you're enjoying it. And it's it's very very interesting for how this how this played out and kind of how that might affect other original content. Mm-hmm. Uh, on that note. Before I move on to main stuff, uh, apparently Netflix uh, is spending 85% of all um, like its, its operating expenses on original series and original content, which when you think about it, when Netflix Watch Instant or whatever it was called originally launched, like it was all just kind of like second rate content from other people. And then there was that whole Stars deal that they had for a while, which uh, went away. Like so much of it was other people's content, and then you had a couple of small shows like Orange Is the New Black and, and House of Cards and stuff like that. Uh, but now, like it, it's just like there's four thousand new series debuting every single week. It's it's amazing, like to think of what their streaming platform started as to what it is now. It's it, it's it's pretty remarkable. The one thing that I will say that that I'm very happy um, that Netflix has embraced is. Where Comedy Central and HBO and a lot of people people have like fallen off with, Netflix is like the destination for all stand up comedy now, and that is one thing that I really really enjoy. And they have a ton of big names like for like John Mulaney who just released another one of his comedy specials called Kid Gorgeous, which uh, should be a chef special, but I'm probably going to forget, so I'll just say it now. 
like he's he's he inked a deal where he is going to do three um big specials for him and like there's just a new um like comedy hour from like a really big name like every single week like they're they're providing like a lot of the stuff where like some of the big cable networks used to do this and then they kind of just kind of sputtered out so that that's that's one of the best parts about netflix yeah i feel like yeah comedy and documentaries that's become kind of like their thing like they they still haven't had a really successful kind of what you would think of as like a big budget movie yeah but, but yeah they've definitely sort of made themselves a little corner with with comedy and documentaries yeah uh vaguely related have you heard any reviews or anything about the Fahrenheit 451 HBO original movie? You know, I it's funny. I I can't remember what prompted me to think about that the other day, but I remembered they were making that and I I totally meant to like check in on like when that was coming out and I it's been a while since I've heard anything about it. Yeah, it's out now. Oh, wow. So before investing 2 hours, I want to I want somebody to give me the scoop if it's good or not. And is it it's just like just available on like HBO Go or whatever? Mhm. Huh. Okay. Um, and what else do we have? Oh yeah. So this, this is, okay. So this will be an inter, uh, this will be an inter docket section. Um, this is, this is something that you gave the thinking face to. So I want to, I want to know what you think. So Apple pay confidence. Yeah. I, I guess I want to know what's prompting this. So year over year, how would you rate your confidence in going into a store and paying without your wallet? Well, if it, I mean, if, it, if it's a store that I know has Apple Pay, then I would say my confidence is pretty high. And I would also say my self-consciousness about using Apple Pay has gone down. Like, I, I, I feel a lot less weird paying for stuff with my watch now than I used to. Um, but I guess where my confidence does break down is just not really ever knowing where Apple Pay is going to be accepted. Yeah. Yeah. So that 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 makes sense. Specifically like my 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 worry about it is ever like cuz you know that like a a a store is never going to have like their payment terminal like they're always going to accept credit cards. But sometimes like if it's something like like let's say like the chip reader's not working, you know you're always going to be able to swipe your card. So I I still haven't gotten to the point where with contactless payments where I feel like there's always this hesitation as I'm leaving. Like if I'm going to like go get groceries or something after going to the gym where like, you know, I, I don't want to actually grab my wallet because I don't really have a good place to put it. Like I, I that level of confidence, like at, at, at safe at Trader Joe's is 100% at Safeway because Safeway doesn't actually really advertise as supporting it. It just happens to work at some locations like. I don't know. The confidence isn't really there to like, I still kind of like, I, I hesitate and worry and be like, Oh, should I actually grab my credit card just in case? No, that that's actually, that's a really interesting point because I do think it makes a huge difference when you see the Apple pay logo. Like when that's, when that's either on the store window or even more ideally like on the terminal itself, then you're like, Oh yeah, no, I, I feel good about paying Apple pay. But yes, like these examples like Safeways are, are is, is kind of kind of weird. Well, cuz the thing with Safeway is like normally for a place that embraces contactless payments like the the uh, the payment terminal will actually say like ins- insert your card or tap to pay or there'll be some symbol on it. But with Safeway there isn't. Like you just vaguely sometimes at the top of the screen will get like those three dots kind of implying that it could accept contactless payments. Right. 
where I, like, I'm kind of like, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't want to be that guy that's be like, oh yeah, I want to pay with my watch. Can you hold my stuff? Like, I mean, like that, like that, that's super awkward. Mm-hmm. So it's getting higher, but it's still, it's still not quite there. And then you have like places like Target that still refuse to do it. And like, it's just, I don't know. It, 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 it's tricky because some places are begrudgingly supporting it. And there's a lot of times where you like, I don't know, you don't want to be that guy. So the, the thing that I, that I really don't like about Apple pay, which I've, I've brought up on the show before, but I'm going to take a little bit of a different angle with it. Now, the whole flow for Apple pay with face ID, like we, I think the example that I've used in the past is like the Pete's example where you have to scan your phone for the, like the check-in thing. Then you have to bring the phone back to you to authenticate via face ID and then bring it back to pay. Like it's just kind of an awkward flow, but even worse than that. So, you know, you know, you were talking about the AirPods example last week where you feel like kind of a jerk if you're like in the checkout line and you leave your AirPods in. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way where if, if for some reason, like I, I, I already have my phone out or something and like, I don't pay via my watch. When you go to check out via Apple pay and you have to authenticate with face ID, it kind of looks like you're just looking at your phone instead mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. instead of actually then going to pay. So it looks like you're not, either you're not paying attention or whatever, when in fact you're, you're trying to check out, but like you have to like look at your phone to do that. And it, I, that's where I feel like an idiot every time. So a couple of things with that. Hmm. That, that is, that is super interesting. So why aren't you paying with your watch? Why does the, why does the phone get involved? I'm trying to think of an, I guess it'd be like an example of where like, I already have my phone in my hand for some reason. Like I'm trying to think of like a recent example where like, for some reason it didn't make sense to pay with my watch. I mean, because I nor- normally now I do just pay with my watch, and a lot of that's prompted by the fact that I don't want to go through this face ID process on the phone. Um, I-, I guess like sometimes when I've had like a sweatshirt on, where like I I don't want to roll up the sleeve to get to my watch to then double tap the side button. But you can still do that. Like a lot. Of, <laughs> this is again really insanely specific. But like even if you are wearing a sweater, you can still double click the side button and you confidently know that it's going to bring up your default card and because it's contactless. Mm, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know about the confident part. I don't if not, I not being able to see my Apple watch screen while doing that. I, I don't know. Hmm. But when you, when you, so going back to your second point where you're nervous that somebody thinks like you're ignoring them and you're on your phone, that that's super interesting. And to the point where like to avoid that, like I will, if I'm standing in a line, once somebody is at, like, I will put my phone away one person ahead of them. Cause I, I, Oh, totally. I just find it insanely rude. Yeah. The, the, the AirPods, uh, or the, like listening to music. And even if you, if somebody does like the single earbud thing, like get out of here with that. I don't, I don't like that at all. Uh, but the, yeah, the looking at your phone while somebody is assisting you actively, I, I find that so rude and annoying. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I think that at dinner tables, um, in meetings too, in meetings, I, I try to be really good about putting my phone away. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm probably a little less successful there, but, but definitely, yeah. Checking out, eating dinner. Like those are the types of situa- situations where the, the phone is, the phone's away. Yeah. At dinner, that's, that is challenging. I, for some reason, and I, and I need to, this is something I need to stop doing is I will often have my phone out face down and I have no idea why. I don't know why I can't just leave it in my pocket. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah, Apple Pay confidence, it's it's improving year over year, but it is still weird. Um one one place that it is surprisingly more common 
uh gas stations like all like in the in the past six months almost every gas station i've been to has uh contactless payments on it yeah i haven't i haven't had that same hit rate it's been a little more hit or miss for me but when i do go to a gas station that has it it's incredibly convenient and also a gas station seems like if somebody's going to put a skimmer on something like not to get super brian krebs paranoid about this but uh it seems like the place where that kind of thing's going to happen well no i mean when those stories come out it seems like more often than not they are at gas stations so i, th- I think that's a that's a valid concern. Yeah, but like I don't know, it it seems great and that seems like a fantastic uh time to or a fa- fantastic place where uh contactless payments should be. Right. And and a, and a good example of how contactless payments can actually be more secure even though there's kind of this weird perception that I think some people have where it's like, "Oh, I don't want to put my credit card on my phone." Yeah, people that <laughs> people really need to realize so many places in the payment chain where their information is not as secure as they want it to be. So the fact that it's on your personal phone is the least of your worries. And I and I had the point brought up to me about um so I, I've I've purchased a smart lock, but I actually still haven't installed it, so I don't have anything to say about it yet. But um, you know, I had someone make the point to me like, well, you know, what if what if someone hacks your smart lock? Which I promptly responded to, Well, what if someone pick locks my door? I mean it it's Or you lock know. picks your door. Oh yeah, that too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No, I I I deserve that. Oh, <laughs> uh, you could say you walked right into that one. Uh, like, that, well, that's that's what you would say, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, that's. Oh, were you hmm. were you also making a joke about like walking through a door? Yeah, oh, wait. Okay, that, that's that's pretty good. <laughs> I can't tell if you're trolling me or not. Um, uh, what was I gonna say? Which which one are you? Uh, who even knows anymore? Um, <laughs> yeah, but like that's the thing where if somebody's super. Well, hmm. I actually don't know about this. Like, because if somebody is super determined to break into your house, they they just will. And and odds are you're gonna leave a window unlocked or something, or your dog is gonna let somebody in uh, <laughs> instead of actually being you. But um, did you see there was a story about Nest? Um, like they all all of their home services, including uh the Nest Cam and also their smart door lock and smart security system, were offline for like three hours. No. Yeah, so that happened, and if that's a couple, like that is the part where I worry about the like reliability of Internet of Things. Not necessarily the security aspect of it, but like when just because like AWS or Google's cloud is having an issue, that's that. Hmm. Well, and, and I guess like no, I, I think that's an interesting story to bring up, and you know, one of the key features particularly from the lady friend's perspective on the smart lock is that it's it needed to have a way to use your regular key as well which this one does so you're not you know you're not totally out of luck if it if it doesn't work i like how she's like your own personal red team oh she she totally is she Uh. she very much keeps me in line Um, all right, let's, let's talk about, let's, so let's get into the main stuff. No more, no more inter things. Uh, Elon Musk had a day. Mm-hmm. I know we don't want to talk about this, but this, 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 this is too dumb not to talk about. I'm not even sure it's dumb. Actually, mm-hmm, I take that back. It's, it's dumb, but it's also really worrying. So let me open up the link. So he had a, a series of tweets. So he, he did, and I know he, this is the most obvious criticism there is that what he did earlier today was very Trumpian, but this tweet storm was, was super 
it's it was a uh better more proofread version of what of what of what 45 does so it's it starts with the holier than now hypocrisy of big media companies who lay claim to the truth but publish only enough to sugarcoat the lie is why the public no longer respects them problem is journos are under constant pressure to get max clicks and earn advertising dollars or get fired tricky situation as tesla doesn't advertise but fossil fuel companies and gas diesel car companies are among the world's biggest advertisers so i know tesla's been having some challenges especially with the model 3 um and they have been having an issue with uh leaks as well um and i know elon musk in a lot of ways is kind of a broy guy and also like i think in a lot of ways he gets like that whole like visionary ceo title but in a lot of ways he's actually not that this just seems like a weird strategy even for him to basically take a pl- uh, like a, a play or a page right out of uh trump's playbook and go after this whole delegitimizing the media and fake news tact just because his company's having a little bit of a rough time and he's uh, in control of a company that usually likes to take the lead on creating the narrative. So I think this whole thing is 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 just insanely problematic. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's I, I think there's there's some truth to the idea that the way that Tesla's been covered in, in certain ways has been a little weird and maybe even unfair, but the way that he's responded to it is it's so petty it's so childish and especially in the current environment we're in where the president himself has also been attacking the media which is this incredibly dangerous thing that's happening the idea that he would mimic that behavior is just it's it's dumb it's nearsighted like i it's very frustrating well for both of those figures basically the term fake news means any facts that they don't agree with and that and that and that's the problem where basically your response rather than just trying to lay out the facts and let the end user or like or the news consumer decide to try to delegitimize anybody who reports anything that isn't a glowing regurgitation of either what Sarah Huckabee Sanders says or what your PR department says sets a really fucking bad precedent, man. Well, yeah, and and fake news is a very very serious problem, and so to take that phrase and basically redefine it to better suit your own purposes is again really dangerous and it's just not not something anyone should partake in especially someone like musk who's in a you know relatively influential position well and also he like he tesla in a lot of ways is like very much like apple in the way that the media covers them where there's kind of and actually, I think like in terms of like the news consuming audience and the consumers as well, because like Tesla and Apple both have a lot of people that like their products, but also a lot of people that like, you know, like there's the whole like it, they're even like, I think there's even a website called the cult of Mac. Like there's kind of like a quasi religious, like just incredibly devoted fan base that both of the companies have. Would you say that's fair? Yes. So I think he like. I'm not going to call him Elon, full name treatment, that Elon Musk likes the idea that Elon, like that uh, Tesla gets the level and the excited 
framing of so much of their news in the same way that Apple does, where the Model 3 has been like gushed about and it's it like in for so long it was a vaporware product that they had such positive press about and you got the whole like apple pre-order number thing like where like it's like oh they have 40 how how many reservations were there in like the first 3 days That's, man something like like 100,000 like i i, yeah, I can't well, even think over, of a fake over 100,000 yeah like stuff like that where he will like that company will thrive off of really positive news coverage that is light on facts but high on like excitement and like positive speculation but anytime there's any reporting about less than stellar uh work conditions at the company or the fact that uh the company wants to fire everybody that doesn't have a uh, corporate employee vouching for them or the fact that they are aggressively trying to squash unionization at their factories. Like there's so many legitimate stories that are being told, but the fact that the CEO doesn't happen to like it, that they can then frame that as fake news is is, is just a load of horseshit. And then when he threatens to, actually, I don't know if it's in this Bloomberg article, but he's going to create a, oh, here it is, uh, at Elon Musk, going to create a site where the public can rate and of course, outsources to the end users, can rate the core truth of any article and track the credibility score over time of each journalist, editor, and publication. Like, what is this? Like, I, hot, I, I, hot garbage is what it is. I know we live in, in an era where, like, like, the rich can do whatever they want. But like, this is, this, this is insane. Um, and I really think for a lot of people, kind of, especially with the Model 3, the honeymoon that Tesla has had is over. Like, I, I don't think a lot of people have the same brand affinity and just uh, unfailing positivity towards the company that they did uh, a while ago. Yeah, this whole thing is pretty, pretty sketchy and fucked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, quick uh, sidebar. Uh, it, what's, what's, what are your odds on actually going through with your Model 3 order? Or is that pretty much out? it's i i don't know no, not related I, not related to this but just yeah in no, yeah, yeah. T- totally yeah it, it's a weird it's a weird position i'm in where the so the lease on my car is up in almost exactly a month um my delivery window for the model 3 is june to august so like if i were to get a configuration invite tomorrow or like in the next couple of weeks that would work out basically perfect but if the end of june comes and it's still been radio silent as to when I'm going to get the invite to configure. Then, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I still haven't really decided whether I'm comfortable going Carlos for a while, or if I would consider doing something like Canvas, which we've talked about a couple times on the show. I mean, the the biggest thing is there. There's not another car out there that I'm super excited about, which is kind of the thing that is making me at least for now stick with the model three plan which i mean it's something that we've talked about offline like there's just not another but why are you excited about the model three because i mean just because like it seems like they're gonna have to scale back a lot of the automated driving stuff just because one all all of the deaths that keep happening um like that seem to be vaguely related to autopilot technology and the fact that uh, also another thing that musk keeps talking about where he feels that it's being misreported of how autopilot like 
like and, and that's not to take this back to the previous subject like where tesla has like really aggressive and hostile pr people that will try to use internal data to dispute any fault of the cars themselves like to the point where like autopilot was really 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 billed as basically being like level five autonomous driving that requires almost no user interaction except that that is uh, that it basically should be operated with hands in the wheel like 100% of the time so like beyond that like if you scale back your expectations of the driverless stuff what does the model 3 have going for it in your particular case man i i i mean i i guess i still generally believe in the future of self driving and specifically with tesla I think that the way that they've iterated through software updates in the car is unlike anything else that other car companies are doing. Like I feel like that that I feel like a Tesla is a lot more future proof than other cars are. If that makes sense, kind of does. Hmm. How long do you expect to have your your next car for? Well, this the this next car that I that I buy, I'm I'm planning to to purchase, not lease. Because le- I've I've gotten past the point where leasing makes sense. It's spending having a monthly car payment for the rest of my life is just not a fiscally responsible thing to do. So the idea would be to have this car for for a long period of time. Hmm. All right, where do you want to go next? Um. Well, I guess do we have anything that's kind of time sensitive in the main topics? Um. Uh, well. I do probably want to talk about MoviePass because who knows how long it's going to be around for. <laughs> but actually, have you have you upgraded to One Password Seven yet? Or I have. Uh huh. I have not. How is it? It's nice. Um, good, clean, new interface. Um, still getting a little used to the way that the um mini, what do they call it? Like One Password Mini works. The one that lives in the menu bar. Yeah. Yeah. Is that now when you? do anything in the browser that's what pops up so like the it used to it used to be kind of like there was the main application there was the mini application in the toolbar and then there was the browser plugin but effectively the browser plugin is just a link to the mini application in the toolbar now and it works mostly the same but it kind of pops up like a separate window now which is just like a little different but but in general again good good nice clean interface and um, I haven't dug into a lot of the new features because I, I, I'm not a like I'm I'm a religious one password user, but I don't get super heavy into a lot of the advanced features they have. So some of that stuff's lost on me. And you still use a separate two factor app. You don't use one password for that, right? I you know I so I I do I use Authy now. Good, but but I'm questioning why I do that. Why why don't I just put this all in one password? It, it feels like a, an eggs in one basket situation. It, it, I know we've we've talked about that, but I think I think that's dumb. I don't think there's really any truth to that. Mm. Like I think I think that's the not wanting to put a smart lock on your door because someone might hack it. Like I, I just I I don't I don't really think there's a lot of rationale built into that. Yeah, still, still no. Yeah, yeah, still no, man. Like, cause what? what hmm. Because what if you leave your yeah I'm I'm gonna give like a bunch of like tinfoil hat stuff so just I'm gonna just <laughs> bail out of this real fast so yeah so um this is uh, Agile Bit's first uh, paid upgrade to the Mac and Windows applications in I think five years and 
I think about a year or two years ago, they kind of changed their business model from away from charging. I think it, like I think if you want to buy it, you still can, but it's like fifty or sixty dollars for the application itself. And about two years ago, they started pushing. Um, I think they actually first experimented with like one password for business when they were trialing out their subscription service, and then they went to. I think it's just one password subscription or one password for families. But now I think it's $35 a year and you get access to the the latest version of one password on all platforms, including desktop and um, iOS and Android, as well as like a gigabyte of cloud storage and, and synchronization services um, that don't rely on Dropbox, uh, all for $35 a year. And software subscriptions still continue to be polarizing. But when... Uh, I threw the link in that one password seven was out. You seemed very happy that it was subscription based or that this was a free upgrade. Yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, I guess I, when I've read the headline about it, I wasn't clear on if as a monthly one password subscriber, I would be able to update to this without any additional fee. And I would, would have actually paid an additional fee if it required one, but I was I was happy to know that it was included in the existing uh, subscription that I'm paying them. And, do you, do you, and even if One Password Seven had never come out, your satisfaction with with the, this service being subscription based, you you have no qualms about that. No, not not at all. Okay, good. So I mean, like I think I think there's a subscription software can be problematic and and can be a difficult sell for a lot of people, but like this category of product seems kind of like a slam dunk and in reading like a lot of the reviews and also like forum or like or like there's a thread on hacker news about this like which is something that appears uh, appeals to a nerdier audience there's still a lot of people that get super bent out of shape about software being subscription based and sometimes i think that's justified but i think with one password and things like dropbox and things that are like mission critical and that provide just like a hell of a lot of value I don't I don't see where that outrage comes from. Like for one password, I think like it, it could be $50 a year and it would still be totally worth it because it's a company that one has a really solid product that is extremely transparent about any issues the software will ever have that devotes the time into making great applications on almost every platform. Like I know Windows and Android are kind of an afterthought for them, but they still they still at least pretend they're trying. Um, and like, it's, it's just, it's just really, really good where the whole, I want to pay $40 and own the software forever. Like I think with this one, like with this service is not really something that holds up. Whereas like, let's say for, um, like text expander or something like that, that is something where I think like the whole subscription creep thing kind of is maybe more valid. But yeah, one password. I think it's 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 pretty. It's kind of the best thing to come out of Canada ever. <laughs> All right, let's let's do the movie pass thing and then chef specials and get out of here. Yes. So movie pass. There was there was a, there were a lot of stories this week about them, but um, I think Bloomberg had one of the the better ones. It was kind of a longer story, and this was for Business Week. Uh, their their tag is uh, moviegoers moviegoers adore it. Multiplexes hate it. Now the company may not have enough money to make it through the summer. And I appreciate the illustration that shows um, vultures uh, surrounding a about to be deleted app icon. And that's 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 pretty, pretty <laughs> good. So 
it goes in uh, the, so the Bloomberg article goes in depth on um, how the company came to be and why they cut prices and on what planet the business model actually works. And if you go to the end, it is basically uh, the, the business model doesn't work. And that like movie passes rationale is that let's say, tw- I think it was like, let's say 80% of people see two movies a month and then we're in the hole for like 14 bucks but 20% of the people forget they ever have it or they see like uh, nine or 10 movies a year, they somehow in the very end break even. So it's, it's a really weird business model, which, 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 which is obvious. But it speaks to a kind of larger thing, which there was an article which you'll link to in the New York Times, which is somebody saying uh, their, their thesis is the entire economy is movie pass now. Enjoy it while you can. Where there's a lot of companies that kind of they're just spending VC money and subsidizing goods and or services to just until they figure out the business model. And this goes for a lot of things like um, Spotify and Pandora and, uh, on the music side of things where they don't necessarily have to be profitable in terms of like the licensing rights, uh, things like uh, Blue Apron and 50 other companies that want to deliver meals to your door like so many things I where i can't believe you didn't bring up uber uh, that too man I, I was i was waiting for that they, they they've had enough bad press or okay. <laughs> they, they, they get a pass this week right but like so many services that it, that are under the guise of disrupting existing economies and in industries where it it kind of like the the end user is getting a deal because they're not actually being sold or or charged the true cost of a service in the in the effort that the the or the company's hope is that they eventually capture a majority of the of, of the customer base and then eventually with scale and with price increases eventually they recoup their investment and they form a sustainable business model but yeah, but so like so um the thesis here is that like that just that's basically everything nowadays. Where so many things don't have to make money. And, and like in hopes that they actually do eventually find a business model that works. But that's kind of like that's also um fucking over everybody else who is living in the real world and has to actually make money in order to pay their employees, like to to keep the economy going. So as other things get disrupted. That kind of screws over the people who already exist in that market vertical, but also there's no assurance that the people trying to do the disruption and are spending millions or billions of VC money actually ever find it either. Yeah, that, that so this really resonated with me in the sense that the point that I've brought up with MoviePass over and over again is the is the I think the number one reason why movie theaters dislike it so much, which is kind of what happens after movie pass inev- inevitably goes away, where people n- now are going to have this <clears throat> kind of f- perception of what a movie costs that was never true to begin with. And with with movies, I mean, sure, that's kind of you know it, it's entertainment. It's it's not kind of you know mission critical as as you would say. But you think about things like Uber, you know, the way that we get around and public transportation, those are vitally important things. And if people's perception of what that should cost are kind of forever 
warp in a way that they should never have been in the first place, that's that's potentially pretty damaging. Well, so I was actually thinking about that. So what whatever what happens if let's say like investors are like, you know, we're kind of no, we don't think you're ever going to become profitable or kind of like we're going to stop pouring money into Uber and they, they end up going through a couple of down rounds or something. Like what happens to if, if Uber and Lyft go away? I See, I don't know. And then that's, that's kind of what I think is, is problematic. <laughs> I think that's going to be the, uh, the defining word of 2018. Problematic. <laughs> Yeah, just literally everything. It's yeah, mm. it's problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's it, it. It is super challenging, and like I don't know for how much longer that's going to continue because that's kind of always been the Silicon Valley way. That eventually you can throw money at a problem, and then eventually you can just kind of starve it to death, and and like it starve your competition to death, and then you just print money. But I think as people become more connected and so much of commerce becomes digital, like not even just in terms of the transaction, but like just like the actual transacting itself. Like how long can this go on for where the cost of a good doesn't have to be the cost to provide it? Like that, that just seem, I don't know, as interest rates go up and stuff, like I, th- I think eventually just something of that equation has to, has to fix itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you'll, you'll put links to both of those in the uh, show notes. Already already in the notes. All right. Way out of it. It's that ergonomic keyboard. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we'll table a whole bunch of stuff until next week. We're just going to keep uh, keep amassing the, the stockpile. Let's talk about <laughs> let, let's uh, Let's get to chef specials. Let's do it. So mine, I might have made this uh, back when we were doing picks of the week. Um, when, I, when I first got it. Dark days. <laughs> right. But it's really... Uh, come it's it's really more useful now uh, and this is Eero. Mm. um and so in, in my one bedroom apartment you know I, I don't think it was a necessity to have a mesh network wi-fi was a little spotty in certain parts of the apartment which is kind of why i wanted to get it plus there was that unique setup we had with the tivo mini that sort of required to have something like a like an Eero. Um, but it's, it's legitimately the case here in the new house and it, we're not in a, it's not a very big house, but it's in kind of a, I mean, you've been inside of it. It's, it's kind of a, a weird layout. And so where I have the router is kind of like at one opposite corner of the house. And then like where I'm, where I am right now is in kind of the opposite corner of the house. And I don't know if it's because of the walls or whatever, but Wi-Fi literally like either doesn't get over here at all or comes in really 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 faintly to the point where like if i'll do a speed test over here without having a second euro set up it'll be like eight megabits down like really really slow and so it's it's i'm now really getting my first true taste of like what a what a mesh network can do and you know i mean to to be honest like the wi-fi over here is still not you know nearly as fast as it is in the main room because i mean it is just repeating a weak signal but you know with this second euro set up in this room wirelessly i can now get you know 60 or 70 megabits down again as opposed to something like eight so um i mean i've I've got some kind of long-term 
projects in mind where ideally I want to actually run Ethernet over to this room and then have this second Eero hardwired so that then the wireless speed is pretty much consistent throughout the house. Some some ideas like that. Um, but the idea that you can set up these mesh networks now with almost zero configuration is is super awesome. And again, I basically part of this new house would not have Wi-Fi without something like that. So uh, big, big fan of Eero. And I'm sorry, do you have one of those Eero beacon things that plugs in like a nightlight, or do you just have like a second Eero thing? So when I bought Eero, this was before the Eero beacon. Um, and there's there's not a there's not even a logical place to put something like an Eero beacon in the house so that the two kind of regular boxes work fine. Got it. Well, cool. Yeah, no, it's it it yeah, your Eero's seems pretty solid. Yeah. What <laughs> What do the ad reads say? Like, well, yeah, what, what if uh, half of your house just didn't have electricity? <laughs> right. It's kind of true. Yeah. It's, it's good copy. Okay. My show special is, I apologize, it's going to be a tiny bit long-winded. Because um, I, need, I need to talk about my uh, four-year mental gym membership. Hmm. Uh, are, are you aware of a, a site called lynda.com? Yes. Yeah. So since 2014, I've been paying $25 a month for for that website and i think i took maybe two or three courses on it so linda is a website where they do like software training and like if if there's a certain app or thing you want to learn more about you can watch watch instructional videos and get like uh course files and stuff like that from a in in the courses are good and, and it's great but much in the way of a gym membership where you have like aspirations to you just, it's like yeah I, i'm gonna go to the gym five days a week I, there's I, I i definitely want to work on this and this is something I'm, I'm gonna do so i'm never gonna end my gym membership so for the past four years i've been paying 25 dollars a month for that and it's been it's been my secret shame it's been my secret thousand dollar shame so i bring this up because i finally canceled it uh last week but that brings me to a chef special which is your local library so I'll, I'll explain. So many libraries, including the Maroon County Free Library, have partnerships with uh, certain companies where you can actually access a lot of resources for free that the library pays for a shared license for. And one of those is lynda.com. So if you sign up for a library card, you can have access to that $25 a month thing at zero cost. So that, that is my chef special, a $25 coupon for life. <laughs> it's really it's really a bummer um like that yeah there's so much that i thought i wanted to learn and, and do and then that, that was just something i would, that just every month i would see i'd be like yep that's another month that i didn't use that thing very similar to a gym membership you you live and learn yeah no but the marine county free library is, is amazing you get access to, uh, free access to the consumer reports the new york times linda a whole bunch of stuff um, so yeah, people should check that out if they live here. Otherwise, I think uh, most libraries do the, uh, do a similar thing. Like I know Orange County has a whole bunch of those too. Mm-hmm. Well, very good. All right. Everybody go support your local Islands Burger Restaurant and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>